Good morning. I am stationed with 111 with Marines. I got some Marines in the back, bro. There it is. <laughs> All right, cool. <laughs> and so today, today is a very special day. Yeah, yeah, give it up for the Marines. <laughs> but today is an even more special day for, for fathers. So for all the fathers, I want to say happy Father's Day to you. I want to give a round of applause for the fathers as well. It's not as special as Mother's Day, but at the same time, we, we, we have an opportunity to, I mean, I, I always find it interesting. The mothers get flowers, and they get all this great stuff, and we get a tie, you know, <laughs> or, or like, oh, yeah, it's Father's Day. Hey, here's, the, here's your card, you know, but um, I, I want to show you guys a video of what it, what it means to be a father and how great fathers are. Yes, okay. Did you understand it, though? No. No. Huh? Oh, no, not, not this one. This is the this grand finale of this. Yeah, that's the last one. That's what I was wondering. I don't know what they're going to do next season because they did some stuff this time. Exactly what I was thinking. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, don't bring that in. You know what I'm saying? Don't do the same stuff. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think that. Yeah. I love you too. Yeah. Like, go somewhere else with that, but don't break here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's what I said. And then it was like, ah, you know what I'm saying? And I was like, what in the world? But don't do it here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. See, dads are great, you know? Dads are awesome. The kid had no idea what he was talking about, but the dad entertained him. And so this is what, this guy right here is my hero. He is multi-tied. See, what, what mother can do this? <laughs> Where he can speed the baby at the same time while playing video games. This is awesome. I, I want to learn. Look at the technique. It's so perfect. Here's another reason why, I, so he's a very good at multitasking. Another reason why fathers are, um, are great, Oh, oh, there it is. There it is. <laughs> Problem solvers. I'm pretty sure that kid was going where he wasn't supposed to be going. And dad was like, you need to cut this out. And so he said, you ain't going nowhere. <laughs> uh, we also very resourceful. <laughs> now, I'm pretty sure dad had no idea where the hair ties were. And even if he did, he wasn't going to look for them. So the kid was like, Dad, I want a ponytail. I'm not going to school without a ponytail. Well, here you go. Here's your ponytail. <laughs> go to school. <laughs> we also care about our children, right? <laughs> we care about them as well. <laughs> he knows that if he moves that kid from here to here, it's going to wake up. So he values his sleep. So he says, oh, you know what? I'm going to value his sleep. I'm going to eat my food while he sleeps and while he rests. And then dads also show us the value of hard work. <laughs> I don't know if that's child abuse or not, but you got it. And so, according to the U.S. Census Bureau, 19.7 million children live without a father in their home. That's one out of every four child has no father figure in the home. I, for me, that's scary. 
Then when I continue to read what, what it says next, it says, according to research, children without fathers are four times more likely to live in poverty, two times more likely to have behavior issues, two times more likely to abuse drugs or alcohol, three times more likely to commit a crime, two times more likely to drop out of high school, and seven times more likely to have a child as a teenager. That's crazy. That shows you that despite how TV portrays fathers as dumb and not engaged, the importance of having a father figure in your life. Now, this is not to say that somehow if you're a single mom or you have a single parent, that somehow that your kids are not going to grow up to be wonderful, amazing adults. And I, I'm living proof of that, right? My mom was a single mom. She passed away when I was 14, and my grandma ended up taking care of me as a single grandparent. But at the same time, you're more likely to have these things happen to you if you are in a, in a family where you don't have a father. Now, in, in South Africa, there was this reserve, right? They had a reserve of um, like a whole bunch of animals. They had rhinos, they had monkeys, but they hadn't had elephants in there yet. And so they, they bring the elephants in. They have the, the, mom, the two um, lady elephants, and then they had the, teen, uh, the um, kid elephants or whatever, right? And everything was great. Everything was great. The elephants kind of did their thing for like 10 or 15 years. They just had no problems. And then out of nowhere, out of nowhere, elephants start killing rhinos. And so they're baffled. They're like, wait a minute. Elephants aren't that aggressive. The only time an elephant would kind of be aggressive is it felt threatened. So anytime that you see in the wild when you saw an elephant um, killing a rhino is because they felt like that rhino was trying to hurt their children. But this wasn't the case. And so they're baffled. They're trying to figure out, like, why in the world are these elephants killing the rhino? So they go up into, the, into a helicopter, and they find the rhino, I mean, it's the elephants just going around killing rhinos. And they're all kind of confused. They're like, well, at least we know the, that's, that's what's happening. So they had to take the, put the elephants down. Well, the scientists were confused. They're like, no, this can't, this can't be right. Because as soon as they got done getting rid of the elephants that were killing the rhinos, the killing stopped. Well, the reason why these elephants were there is because these elephants were uh, rescue elephants who were going to be put down. They're going to be um, killed if they didn't have a place to go. And so the reserve took them in. The problem with it is the only adult uh, people that were there were the females. And then the elephant heard what happens once an uh, elephant gets about 15 years old. The moms, they kick the, ele the male elephant out so they can go learn how to be a man or a male elephant. The problem with it is when they kicked these male elephants out, there was no other male elephants to teach them how to be males. So they had all this instinct, all this aggression, all this stuff that would happen, and they just decided that they're going to take it out on the rhinos. Research is showing us that involved fathers are critical to a healthy development of a society. It's not just critical to the healthy development of a family. It is critical to the healthy development of a society. That, that we're more likely to commit a crime. We're more likely to have, have kids in, as teenagers. We're more likely to do bad things, to be alcoholics, if we don't have a father in our lives. That means crime rate goes down when fathers are involved. That means drug abuse goes down when fathers are involved. God tells Abraham, Basically the same thing, Genesis chapter 18, verse 19. For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just so that the Lord will bring about Abraham what he had promised. 
So God had promised Abraham, hey, you're going to have generations that are going to exceed the stars. You're going to have generation upon generation. But there's a caveat to this thing. You have to teach your children and their children have to teach their children how to keep the way of the Lord. And so this is very important to do what is right and do what, um, what God has commanded. But just because a father is physically present doesn't mean that he's directing his household towards the Lord. I'm going to say that again. Just because a father is physically present doesn't mean that he's directing his household towards the Lord. And I am a prime example of that. For the first five years of, um, of, of my daughter's existence, I wasn't a very good father. In fact, one of the things that I kind of did is like I grew up without my dad. My dad, I didn't meet my dad until I was 16 years old. He wasn't really involved. Um, My mom had a boyfriend who kind of had the other kids or whatever, and he was abusive and, you know, he was a drug dealer and all that stuff. He he did a lot of bad things. So I I had this weird view of what a man should be like, but I also knew that I didn't want to be like them fools. And so my goal, even before I had kids, I'm like, I'm going to be better than my dad. I'm going to be present for my kids. I'm going to provide for my kids, right? I'm, I'm not going to provide for them the way that my, my stepdad or her boyfriend did. I'm going, to, I'm going to do that. I'm not going to treat my wife a certain way. So my idea of being better than those people was doing this. I would come home from work. I would say hi to my wife, hi to the kid for like five minutes, and I continue to play video games <laughs> over and over again. Until my wife was like, you need to be more involved with the kids. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm present. (laughs) I'm here. (laughs) I'm doing more than my dad did, right? I'm doing more than my stepdad did. I'm like, what are you talking about? I am a better man than them. And she was like, no, you're not doing what you're supposed to do. You're not leading them into anything. So just because the father is physically present doesn't mean that he's directing his household towards the Lord. And so you have this king, this thing that's happening in 2 Kings chapter 15. And all these kings, all these guys that became predecessors of, 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 of the other kings, they all have fathers around. But as you read 2 Kings and you see what happens, it says, In the 38th year of Azariah, the king of Judah, Zechariah, the son of Jeroboam, became king of Israel in Samaria. And he reigned for six months. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And you continue on in 2 Kings chapter 15, verse 17. In the 39th year of Azariah, king of Judah, Menahem, son of Gadai, became king of Israel. And he reigned in Samaria for 10 years, and he did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Continue. In the 15th year of Azariah, king of Judah, Pekaniah, son of Menahem, became king of Israel in Samaria. And he reigned for two years. Pekahiah did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And in the 52nd year of Azariah, the king of Judah, Pekah, the son of Ralamah, I can't say it, became king of Israel and Samaria. And he reigned 20 years, and he did did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Their fathers were there. Their fathers were present, yet they just decided to teach their kids the wrong thing. You see, the cycles we learn from our forefathers don't have to be the cycles that we hold on to. The cycles that we learn from our society, the cycles we learn from our forefathers do not have to be the cycles that we hold on to. 
And it would have been real easy for me as a, as a 16, 17, or however old I was to be like, well, you know, I'm just going to do whatever I want to do because this is the way it's set up for me. I don't have a father in my life. that Look, look at the statistics. The statistics say I should be doing this. I should be an alcoholic. I should be doing crime. I should be doing it. And unfortunately, throughout our whole society, people fall victim to that. And they blame their situation the things that they choose to do on their situation. Oh, I do this because I don't have a father. I do this because my mom. I do this because of X, Y, and Z, fill in the blank. You see, the cycles we learn from our forefathers do not have to be the cycles that we hold on to. This is Adrian Peterson. He is a running back. He actually is a running back right now for the Washington Redskins. Now, he used to be the running back for the uh, Minnesota Vikings when this incident occurred. And so... um, Apparently, there's pictures coming out of a, of, a, of a kid with all kind of bruises and whelps on his legs. And when he was confronted with this, he's like, you know what? I'm going to discipline my kids. He's like, because he, he, he had spanked them. He had whooped them. Not spanked them. He didn't spank them. He whooped them. He got, the kid got a whooping like I got a whooping. <laughs> it was like a beating. Right? And so um, he, Adrian Peterson goes. He got, gets a switch. Uh, for those of you who don't know what the switch is, you use a thing off the tree, a stick, basically a stick off the tree, and you get beat with it. And he whoops this kid. Now, here's the deal. Adrian Peterson is a little bit taller than me and a lot bigger than me. And I've seen this man with his offhand take another grown man and throw him to the ground while he's running full speed. So it, does, it doesn't take that much energy or effort for Adrian Peterson to discipline his kid. Yet he felt that it was appropriate for him to hit a three-year-old kid with the switch. And then he doubled down. He said, my dad taught me discipline. He said, I would not be the man I am today without the discipline of my father, and I refuse to not discipline my children the same way. Okay. Everybody's like, that's cool. Like, it's okay to discipline your kid, but what you're doing is abuse. What you're doing is not right. What you're doing is not what anybody has called you to. And actually, what your father did to you was abuse too. See, sometimes we have these cycles that we have, these things that we have in our lives, but we don't even know that we have them because we think that we're right. Or we we just learned them from our forefathers or learned them from whatever. So he has generations upon generations of being whipped that way, and he didn't know any better. And then finally he went through some classes and figured it out. He's He's like, man, he's like, I was wrong. He said, I was wrong. Now, I was right in disciplining my kid because he did something wrong, but I was wrong in the way that I did that. And now who knows how much of a cycle has been broken because Adrian Peterson decided that he is going to do things the right way. Just like Hezekiah. In the third year of Hosea, son of Eli, the king of Israel, Hezekiah, the son of Ezra, king of Judah, became to reign. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. His mother's name was Adjah, daughter of Zechariah. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father David did. All it takes is one. All it takes is one person to say, you know what, I'm going to break the cycle that society has given me. See, Hezekiah could have easily continued the cycle of evil, but he chose to do what is right. 
He could have easily been like, hey, I got seven generations of these evil kings doing evil stuff. My great-great-grandfather's doing all this bad stuff. Hey, I'm just going to do what they, what they do. And how often do we do that? How often do we blame our circumstances on what happened to us in the past or what somebody taught us? And so I have a question for you guys. What cycles in your life need to be broken today? Because we all have something, right? What cycles in your life need to be broken today? For some of us, it might be an addiction. A secret addiction that, we, addiction that we haven't told anybody about. And we can make excuses as to why we have that addiction. Oh, my dad was an alcoholic. Oh, I was a, exposed to pornography at a young age. Oh, I had, I, my dad was angry, so I'm angry. We can make excuses. But God is calling us to break out of these cycles. What cycles in your life need to be broken today? How are you treating your spouse? Is it a cycle of mental abuse? Are you being angry towards them? How are you at work? What cycles in your life need to be broken today? You see, breaking cycles require us to stop blaming and start renewing. I'm going to say that again because I don't think y'all understand what I'm trying to tell (laughs) y'all. Breaking cycles require us to stop blaming someone else for our circumstances and start renewing our minds for God. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 through 12, it says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Sometimes we read scriptures, and we know these scriptures, and we hear, and we're like, yeah, that's great. But I don't think we actually pay attention to what God is calling us to. He says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. Do we understand what that means? That God looks down upon all of us and understands that we cannot live up to his expectations. So he shows mercy on us. And because of that mercy, we should be in turn living our lives as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. That is an important thing for us to understand. This, according to Paul, is your true and proper worship. So what is our true and proper worship? Our true and proper worship is being a living sacrifice, right? And so what does that require? It requires us not to conform to the patterns of this world. And it's real easy to do. It's real easy for me. I I, I literally could have blamed every single person, everybody else, for how I am. But luckily for me, I didn't have a kid when I was 16, 17. My mom was 16 when she had me. So was my dad. My grandma grew up as a single parent. My grandfather, which is her, 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 my, her husband or whatever, he, he divorced her and then he wasn't a good grandparent. I grew up in a violent, 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 violent city. They sold drugs all the time. I could have easily made excuses. 
easily blamed the world for who I am. But you know what happened to me? You know what happened to me? Despite my dad being an absent dad, the one thing he did give me, he showed me Jesus Christ. And I fell in love with him. In order to break cycles, we have to fall in love with Jesus. Amen. We have to remind ourselves daily that this thing is not about us, that it's going to be hard for us to do it on our own. But the bottom line is Jesus Christ, it comes down on earth because God recognizes that you cannot do it on your own. Amen. <laughs> he understands that. I can say with certainty that there's no way I can be the man I am today without Jesus Christ. That's with certainty. Because my brother doesn't have Christ. He lives how he lives, and he has three different baby mamas. He doesn't believe in God. I can say the same thing about all, almost all my brothers, but I don't want to talk throw shade at him like that. <laughs> but see, it all can be a mute point if we don't teach the next generation how to break these cycles. It can be a mute point. Now I can sit up here and I can do amazing things and God pulled me out of the depths of all the stuff that I have and I've broken cycles and I'm doing all these things, but if I don't teach my daughters right here what it means to break cycles, they're just going to fall right back into it. 2 Kings chapter 21, verse 1 through 3, it says, Manasseh was 12 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 55 years. His mother's name was Hephzibah. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Following the detestable practices of the nations the Lord had driven out before the Israelites, he built the high places that his father Hezekiah had destroyed. He also erected altars to Baal and made Asherah poles and as Ahab kings of Israel had done. He bowed down to all the starry hosts and worshiped them. This, this is the son. This is the son of Hezekiah. Hezekiah just come in. He broke the cycle. He said, there's generations upon generations of evil being done. I'm going to do what's right. And here come his son coming in doing the exact opposite. Now, here's what I know. I know for a fact you can't control your kids. <laughs> that part I know for true, for sure, right? But, but, but what we can do, what we can do is continue to teach them how to break those cycles, right? I don't know what was happening we're here. The Bible doesn't tell us. But I know he was way off. <laughs> way off. He went the exact opposite of what his dad did. And it's not like he was around when his grandfather was around with all these. He, he only knew the good. Yet he still chose to do the evil. He also did this. He sacrificed his own son to the fire. He practiced deviation, sought omens. He consulted mediums and spirits. He did much evil in the eyes of the Lord, arousing his anger. We have to teach the next generation how to break cycles. But that requires us to break the cycles in our lives first. So I don't know what it is that you have that's going on. I don't know what sin you're, you're struggling with or whatever, but you have to put yourself in a position to break these cycles so that you can teach your children to break those cycles too because it's not just you that is important on this earth. 
If you have kids, they're important. You're going to die. They're going to still be here. And then they're going to have kids. What legacy are we leaving to our children? If we could just continue to live in the cycles that the society tells us that we should live in. It says this in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22 to 24. You were taught in regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is what? Which is being corrupted by deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your mind and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. It, don't, it doesn't say, hey, bring your old self with you. It says get rid of your old self. It, it, it says put on a new self. It says do not be corrupted. Be made new in the attitude of your mind. It doesn't say keep your old attitude. Keep your old mind. It says get a new one. And so a lot of us are walking around here trying to break cycles that are happening in our life with an old set of mind. We're trying to break cycles with our old self. Well, that's how you got in the cycle in the first place. <laughs> that's how you got there. You got there by doing the old thing. You got that by what you learned from your forefathers. You got that by what you learned from society. That doesn't work, clearly. You were taught in regards to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being, what, corrupted by his deceitful desires. It is deceitful. The stuff that we desire is deceitful. And it might make us feel good for a temporary moment, but it's just going to ruin you. It's going to help you create cycles that's just going to ruin your life, ruin your family's life, and ruin generations to come. And so God is very clear, right, when he's talking to Abraham. He's uh, talking about Abraham. He says, for I have chosen him so that he will what? He will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and what is just. So that the Lord will bring about Abraham what he has promised him. Now, I don't know what kind of life my daughters are going to lead when they get older. I don't know what kind of life they're going to lead when, when I'm not here. But, but I hope with all my heart that it's a life that follows God. I hope with all my life that it's a life that breaks the cycle and continues to break the cycle that I've broken for myself. I hope it's a life that, that says, I, I am, look, it, Excuse me. <laughs> with, the, with the way that I grew up, I, I, I do not want my daughters to experience any of that. And to know <laughs> how much darkness I came out of, <sighs> just thinking about it, it hurts my heart. It hurts my heart that we would know what the right is, know what the good is, and go back to the darkness. Because it's not fun. It might look fun from the outside, but it's not fun. It's up to us as parents, as people, not just parents, even if you're not a, you don't have children. There's people who are younger than you, generations that's going to come after you that you can instill the love of God in their hearts. 
that you can be there for them when they need you to be there for them, that you can put yourself in position, your own position, to break the cycles in your life so that you can help other people break their cycles. Because nothing's worse than to work so hard and so hard and then the generation after you just does evil in the eyes of the Lord. It's up to us. And it starts with you. It doesn't start by looking at somebody else. It doesn't start by looking at your spouse. It doesn't start by looking at your children. It starts with you. And you say, what cycles do I need to break? And then go into God and say, God, how do I break those cycles? And then after you do that, then you take that, that, that same situation and say, all right, God, now that I've broken the cycle, how do I instill that on my children? How do I instill that on the next generation? So they don't have to live the way that I lived before. I appreciate this church so much. I really do. And I want to encourage you, you know, again, if you don't have children that are here, hey, invest in some of the young people. Because it's not just about fathers and it's not just about mothers and not just about parents. Invest in them. Maybe a conversation with them will help prevent them from doing something that they would have regretted for the rest of their life. Breaking cycles requires us to do something different. And if we look at the world right now, we know that we need to do something different. Christians need to do something different. I don't know what that different thing looks like, but you need to figure it out. We all need to figure it out because the way the world is going is not good. And God has tasked us with an important task. Not simply to come to church and listen to a sermon. Not simply to come to church and, and be good on our own. He's just tasked us with a, a, a task that says you need to go out and show people how to break those cycles. Because remember, you were in that cycle yourself. And now it's your turn to go and tell somebody else about the wonderful and amazing power of our God. So I don't know who is in this room right now. Um, dealing with whatever they're dealing with, but I, I, pray, I, I pray for you, you know? And, and if you have anything that you want to share with us, the elders are uh, be re- ready, and, uh, ready for, for you to come up and pray for you. If you have anything that in your life that you need to break free of, you know, come forward and let us know, and we'll pray for you. And if you're thinking to yourself, you know, I haven't been baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, but I want to break the cycles of my life. There's no time like the present that they get baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit for the forgiveness of your sin. If you have anything that you want to share with us as we um, close out today, please come forward now as we stand and as we sing.